are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locks on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. Oh, but before we talk about today's show, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, for today's show, I want to talk about last night's game against the Colorado Rockies, a dub to put the D-backs a game above 500. Beautiful start to the season for the D-backs, might I add. We're going to preview the two games over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, at the time I'm recording this, it's 7 o'clock, so we can't preview uh, today's game with Bumgarner on the mound. But I'm confident in Bumgarner for once is going to have a good game, especially against uh, not the best team in the Colorado Rockies. And then the third segment, to wrap up the pod, I saw some MVP odds coming out, the top five in MVP odds. And... I saw guys like Fernando Tatis on there, but I didn't see any D-backs players. And there's one D-backs player that I want to make the case for for MVP against Fernando Tatis, who I saw was fifth, according to MLB.com and their MVP odds right now. So I'm going to make the case for one D-backs player. You got to stay tuned until the third segment to find out who it is. But first, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this Sunday while I'm going live after the D-backs beat the Rockies on Sunday. Locker room changing the way we talk sports. Now, speaking of D-backs dubs over the Colorado Rockies, let's talk about last night's game because it was a pretty interesting game for the D-backs. Uh, there were some interesting wrinkles in this game. Uh, Luke Weaver in this game. Not the best version of Luke Weaver that we've seen. It, it might have been, honestly, the worst version of Luke Weaver. It was kind of like 2020 version. Now, he only gave up three earned runs, but he didn't go very deep into this ball game. Four innings pitch, that was all. 85 pitches over the course of four innings. Uh, three earned runs, as I said. He gave up four walks as well, which is not good. And only of the 85 pitches, 54 of them were strikes. So, Luke Weaver, he, he wasn't... He, he wasn't out there just throwing meatballs and catching a lot of the plate. He was just strugg uh, struggling to locate last night, not getting enough of the plate, honestly, to get enough strikes for Luke Weaver to go deep into that ball game. And the batters just had to be patient against Luke Weaver last night as he was kind of all over the place. Because if you look at Luke Weaver's stat cast from last night, there wasn't a lot of hard contact given up by Luke Weaver. That, that was the bright spot for Luke Weaver last night. He might have been missing his location, but at least he wasn't getting crushed. Uh, he, he wasn't missing over the plate. He wasn't leaving anything hanging. Now, he did give up three earned runs, you know, a couple doubles and a triple. But still, uh, in terms of hard hit 
percentage in terms of exit velocity. It, it wasn't that bad against uh, Luke Weaver last night. Uh, just looking at the stat cast numbers, his average exit velocity last night against his fastball was only 68 miles per hour. His changeup was only 87. It was really his cutter that was getting hit last night, 94 miles per hour in terms of average exit velocity. And that's not a pitch he throws a ton. He threw it 11 times last night. Only 13% of his pitches was the cutter last night. And this is the guy, Luke Weaver, right now, who been working on his breaking pitches over the offseason. We haven't really seen it. We've seen maybe a couple of curveballs all year. Uh, no sliders this year. He's been mainly a fastball changeup kind of guy, working that cutter in there as well. But mostly fastball changeup is 80%, 85% what Luke Weaver, what Luke Weaver's gonna do. And that, that, that's something to watch the rest of the season because if you're a relief pitcher, you could be fastball changeup, but a full-time starter, a guy that we expect to be a number three starter in this rotation, you're going to have to work in those breaking pitches effectively. Luke Weaver has been better than he was in the 2020 season, but he won't be consistent until we get that 2019 Luke Weaver. And that was a guy who was mixing in a, a whole bunch of pitches. He had a whole array of pitches in 2019, more than just a fastball changeup. Maybe it, it, he has too many pitches, and uh, that was one of the drawbacks in 2020. He, he couldn't get all his pitches to work in 2020. But in 2019, he was still able to go fastball, changeup, cutter, curveball. And apparently, he threw one sinker as well in 2019, uh, which is not something he has thrown since 2019. He, he was throwing the, the curveball last year. He, he doesn't have a slider, uh, but he was throwing the curveball last year, so disregard my slider comment, but he hasn't really thrown the curveball this year, only twice this year. He threw it 67 times last year, and the curveball was not very effective for him in 2020. Uh, the expected batting average was the highest on all his pitches, the slugging against his curveball was the highest of all his pitches. His curveball gave up the most damage last year. And if you look at 2019, uh, the same can be said for his curveball again. So in 2019 and 2020, the curveball did not work out for Luke Weaver. So what has he done? He's just taken out of his arsenal in 2021. And to mix results so far, the results are better than 2020, but they're nowhere near the 2019 level. So we got to get back to that version. And that 2019 Luke Weaver, he had a nasty changeup. His changeup was was dirty in 2019. It was very effective in 2019. It was probably his best pitch. And his changeup is still good this year, but he has a slugging against his changeup of 543. In 2019, his slugging against his changeup was only 273. So that's really the X factor pitch for Luke Weaver. If he's going to stay with this two pitch arsenal, He's got to improve that changeup because his fastball is pretty good. Uh, his fastball has been just as good as his changeup this year. And his fastball has been pretty consistent over the last uh, three years. In 2020, it, it was not super effective. But in 2019 and 2021, his fastball has done pretty much the same damage against. It's really his changeup that hasn't been as effective this year as it was in 2019. So his changeup needs to go up another level for uh, that fastball to really uh, start uh, to really start fooling hitters or not even fooling hitters but really just keeping them in their place freezing hitters I want to say not fooling but freezing hitters if you got that that change up that slow at the bottom of the zone and then you come with that high rising heater that's really what Luke Weaver needs maybe that little bit of a cut or two so we'll we'll see how this change up progresses over the course of the season and we'll see if he continues uh not to use the curveball maybe if he wants to mix it in a little bit more because I think eventually he'll need to work in 
more of that breaking pitch to be a super effective starter over the course of a full season. You can't be a number three starter with just your fastball changeup being your two primary pitches. But one guy who looked locked in last night on the mound was Caleb Smith, who did something for only the third time since 2008. He had 100% swing and miss rate on his pitches. He threw nine strikes on 12 pitches. And all of them generated swinging strikes where the batter wasn't able to make contact, not even a foul off. So uh, Caleb Smith, we talked about on yesterday's pod. This guy has been the D-backs best reliever. And that's not something I expected. ERA now in the season 2.3. He struck out the side last night, 12 pitches, nine strikes. The dude was dominant last night. So uh, I've been surprised by Caleb Smith. Apparently, Steve Gilbert came out with an article talking about how Caleb Smith wants another crack at the rotation or something along those lines. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I just saw the tweet. I didn't get a chance to read the article. So Caleb Smith might be itching for another look at the rotation. The D-backs might give him another look at the rotation. But right now, he he's not a fireball lefty, but he he's an effective lefty right now out of the pin, and that's something the D-backs need because Alex Young. Has been up and down all season. He's been pretty inconsistent. But Caleb Smith, if you take out his one start, and if you remove his the one start he had this year, he has like an ERA that's sub one. He has like a .5 ERA or something like that as a reliever. So that dude has been elite as a reliever this year. And the way the closing situation has been for the D-backs this year, uh, I, I'm more inclined to give Caleb Smith a shot at the closer position than another shot at the rotation. So I, I'm curious to see how the D-backs use him for the rest of the season. But Caleb Smith, easily the D-backs best reliever out of the bullpen right now. Now, we're going to preview the two games the D-backs have against the Rockies uh, over the weekend. But first, I want to talk to you guys about sports trade because have you guys heard about sports trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to their platform. So check it out today. Making money with Sports Trade is simple as player value rises and falls based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with a huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new way of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sportstrade.com. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited, limited edition designs at fair price points. 
1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Ring sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so you find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. Let's preview the D-backs two games over the weekend. And if you didn't hear, uh, Cole Calhoun underwent some kind of surgery on his leg. Uh, no timetable for his return. So it looks like Cole Calhoun, uh, his season in terms of injuries just keeps getting worse. Already started the season on the injured list. Uh, only played a few games. Was pretty effective in the few games he did play. And now he's back uh, once again. Uh, on the injured list for the D-back. So uh, not a good start to his season in terms of his health. So wishing Cole Calhoun a speedy recovery because that dude was a beast last year for the D-backs, one of the most uh, exciting players to watch on the D-backs last year with 16 home runs in only 60 games. That, that puts you on like a 50 home run pace, something like that. You math wizards out there, they could do the math for me. Uh, shoot it to me on Twitter because I can't do it myself. But let's look at some of the D-backs numbers uh, as we enter this weekend uh, for this little weekend preview because uh, I think it's always fun to just update yourself on the raw traditional numbers. We're not going into team uh, war, team waba expected at batting average. Get that crap out of here. We want we, we don't want any part of those advanced analytics over here. We will use those for player evaluation, but for the overall team statistics, we don't need that garbage. So let's look at some of the fun traditional numbers on the D-back so far this season as they enter the weekend. And of course, this won't be including tonight with Bumgarner on the mound. This is after last night's game, the updated stats. So let's look at a few of their numbers. The D-backs right now in the National League, they only rank 8th in terms of batting average. But when you look at OPS, the D-backs climb up, climb up the, the rankings to number four. When you look at strikeouts, the D-backs are eighth in the National League. So right in the middle, they, they feel like a heavy strikeout team, but they haven't been. One thing that they don't really do a ton is stolen bases. Only have eight on the season, ninth in terms of stolen bases. Uh, in terms of home runs, though, the D-backs have been dominant in that area. They're tied for second in home runs with the Reds at 35. And if you look at runs scored, this is the stat that shocked me the most. The D-backs lead the National League in runs scored. Who would have thought this D-backs team, this offense, who I feel like is pretty up and down, who I feel like doesn't always produce the runners in scoring position, who, who last night went 2-for-12 with runners in scoring position, somehow leads the National League in runs, so... In terms of home runs, they're second. Runs scored, they're first. And OPS, they're fourth. So they're basically a home run walking team. Uh, a lot of these teams, when we talk about modern day baseball, they either home run or strike out. With the D-backs, either home run 
or walk, which is an even better combination. They don't really come through with runners in scoring position. They just wait for someone to walk. Then they have a big double or triple or home run to score that guy. So the offense has been pretty good this year. But if you look at the D-backs pitching, uh, their team ERA is 11th, 4.62 ERA as a team, uh, which is actually better than when I checked it last week. If you look at strikeouts for the team, the D-backs are 12th in strikeouts among pitchers. Opponent batting average second to last with 251. Opponent batting average just ahead of the Colorado Rockies. And if you look at quality starts, D-backs are ninth with 7th. So their pitching still has room for improvement, but the offense is pretty good. Get a middle-of-the-pack pitching performance from this overall staff. Uh, this D-back seems going to be competitive if you get that combination. Uh, I think at least for a wild-card run, but... When we're looking at these next two games, before we get too ahead of ourselves, on Saturday, we got the great Zach Gallon, the Zach attack on the mound, going against Austin Gomber, who they acquired, the Rockies acquired in that Nolan Arenado trade. A 6-6-5 year rate for Austin Gomber. Uh, he, he's a guy I'm not scared of uh, at all. That's a guy, if, I'm a, if I was a betting man, I would be betting the over on the D-backs offense that day against Austin Gomber. But Zach Gallon, his most recent start against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, almost threw a no-hitter himself in that game. He went through, I don't have the numbers here, but it was like, what, fifth or five or six innings he went through before giving up a hit. I don't think he gave up a hit until that sixth inning. Uh, still had a complete game shutout, one hitter against the Atlanta Braves. So Zach Allen starting to look locked in, and is the leash just starting to get a little bit longer? Toy Lovello, since he had pretty efficient pitching that day. Tori Lovello, uh, let him go. I think Zach Allen threw like less than 90 pitches or something crazy uh, that day. I remember talking about it on Locker Room. Like, man, Zach Allen threw like 85 pitches or something. So Zach Allen's back on the mound, and he's looking to continue his dominance. Uh, this is only going to be his fourth start, I believe, of the season. Uh, so he, he still hasn't pitched a ton, but still uh, looked great in his uh, previous Three starts before this one, a 2-1-6 ERA on the year, uh, entering his Saturday start. So uh, if looking at his traditional numbers, Zach Allen looks pretty locked in and looks uh, like the guy we've seen so far throughout his major league career. Uh, and that's not really a shock for anyone uh, because this dude has been a stud ever since entering baseball. And we know he set uh, the major league record for most consecutive start to begin your career, allowing three earned runs or fewer. Well, so far, Zach Allen this year uh, hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in a start this year. Still continuing, well, not continuing that record because it, it did get stopped by a couple starts in 2020, but he's right back in it, right back in it, trying to restart a, a new streak for himself. Maybe just not to begin your major league career, but just any point of your career, the longest such streak of allowing three earned runs or fewer. So I think Zach Allen has that kind of potential to set another record like that, but I wouldn't be putting my money on it because still, uh, still hard bet against. But uh, the other game the D-backs have on Sunday, Merrill Kelly back on the mound going against Chi-Chi Gonzalez. Gonzalez with a 3.6 ERA. Uh, Merrill Kelly coming off his best start of the season against the Padres. So for him, we need to see what we saw from Bumgarner in his last start. Can he repeat back-to-back -back starts? Because before this Bumgarner pseudo-no-hitter, he was coming off his best start of his D-backs career. And so for Merrill Kelly, he's coming off his best start, not of his D-backs career, but of the of the season so far, because he was a beast last year. And in his last start against the Padres, he showed remnants of being that guy that we saw in 2020. So 
If he could do this again against a Colorado Rockies team that's not that good, the D-backs have a chance to potentially sweep a four-game series. I'm predicting three out of four. I have a, uh, I'm confident Bumgarner tonight, but I have a feeling they're going to lose tonight, not because of Bumgarner, but I feel like their relievers are going to do something tonight to mess it up. It's 719 at the time of recording this, so the, the game is still pretty early, uh, still in the pretty early stages, but I think Merrill Kelly's going to get a win for us on Sunday. I think the offense is going to break through against Chichi Gonzalez. I think this is going to be a good offense, uh, a good uh, a good series for the offense in, in its entirety. I think the D-backs are going to score 20 runs this series. That's only five a game if you do the math. Uh, if you do the math, so 20 runs sounds like a lot, but it's only five a game, which is uh, not you know uh, record breaking or anything like that. It's not like you're the Rams' greatest show on turf, averaging five runs a game as an offense. So I think D-backs win three out of four. I think Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly both get wins, and the D-backs move up the standings and potentially after this series are going to be number three in the standings right behind those L.A. Dodgers. Now, I'm going to make the case for an MVP in the D-backs against Fernando Tatis. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because Bilt Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now, the reason I love Bilt Bars is because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, and Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in, pro- high in protein, and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You can get a free cooler while it supplies last. Just use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And let's discuss uh, my MVP candidacy that I have for one D-backs player. Because looking at MLB MVP's poll, the MLB.com's MVP poll, uh, they have five guys on here for the National League. Number one, Ronald Acuna Jr. Number two, Jacob DeGrom. Three, Bryce Harper. Four, Justin Turner. And number five, Fernando Tatis Jr., and some other players receiving votes. And even if you look at other players receiving votes, there is one guy, there is one D-back in the other players receiving votes who I think should be ahead of Fernando Tatis and who should be at least fifth on this list, if not higher. But I will just make the case against Fernando Tatis because in-division opponent. And I think, you know, everyone loves Fernando Tatis. And I just want to take him down a peg on this uh, podcast. That's what we love to do here. Guys like Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis, who get built up to be the greatest in the game. I come in, I tear them down a little bit to let you know, hey, they, they actually got some flaws that we don't know about because Fernando Tatis finishing fifth on this list ahead of, wait for it, Carson Kelly is disrespectful to the man. It's disrespectful to Carson Kelly. That's what I have to say because when you compare the numbers side-by-side side from Carson Kelly to Fernando Tatis, it is actually, I wouldn't say night and day, but it's pretty clear who has been the better player this season because Carson Kelly on the year leads the National League in OBP 507, 
15 walks, a 327 average, a 1242 OPS. Now, how does that compare to Fernando Tatis? Well, Tatis is batting 262. Uh, that's lower than 327. Fernando Tatis has an OBP of 338. That's lower than 507. Uh, his OPS is 969. That's lower than Kelly's 1242. Home runs, Tatis hasn't beat. Only uh, seven to six. So he only has Carson Kelly beat by one home run. We look at RBIs, 11 for Tatis. You got 14 for Carson Kelly. Kelly, 15 walks compared to 10 strikeouts. Tatis, eight walks compared to 22 strikeouts. So he walks less and strikes out more. He has a he, Tatis strikes out 30% of the time. Carson Kelly, how often does he strike out? Only 14.5% of the time. Carson Kelly has been phenomenally better when looking at uh, his traditional numbers compared to Tatis. But what about those, you know, pesky advanced numbers that you guys like, that everyone in baseball likes? All the baseball uh, math nerds love, uh, they all love advanced numbers. So I'll give you a few advanced numbers too. Uh, my least favorite advanced statistic is war. It's a stat that is... Uh, Everyone has a different way of measuring it across different platforms, StatCast, FanGraphs, uh, MLB.com. Everyone has their own different metrics for a war. That's why I don't like the stat. No one has the exact definition of how they calculate it. It's a fluky stat. It's a stat predicting how much better this guy is over some random replacement level player, and that's somehow the holy grail of all stats. A stat that says, hey, if you put in uh, against an average MLB player, this guy gives you this many more wins over that guy. Like, Who really cares about that stat? Actually, tell me the real numbers as opposed to some imaginary numbers of this guy came in instead of that guy but let's not go on a whole war debate because right now war is going to be my friend because fernando tatis's war this season is 0 0.8 0 0.8 pretty solid almost one almost one win a game you know what carson kelly's war is 1.6 that is double tatis's war so i'm not even a fan of war but wars tell me carson kelly is double the player fernando tatis's how about ops plus Fernando Tatis, 171. Carson Kelly, 238. It's not even a debate. Just stop it. Just someone come get me and tell me to stop because we are murdering Fernando Tatis on the mic right now in terms of his MVP discussion because it's blasphemous to put Fernando Tatis. Yes, I just dipped into my Stephen A bag just now. It's blasphemous to put Fernando Tatis top five in that MVP discussion considering he's only had one great series against the Dodgers. Yes, yeah, so maybe uh, should he be put on a pedestal because uh, he had a great series against uh, the, the World Series favorites, the reigning World Series champs? I don't think so. If you want to, go. That's, that's your decision. I care more about the overall sample size than just one series. And you might say, hey, Carson Kelly's a catcher. He's not even playing every day. That is true. Stephen Vogt has had a pretty good season and does take some time away from Carson Kelly. But get this, Carson Kelly actually has one more game played than Fernando Tatis because don't forget he was hurt. So he's doing this one more game played. So he should be qualified for this because if you actually look at MLB stats, uh, like MLB.com or ESPN, Carson Kelly's like not qualified on, on those lists, honestly. And I really don't know why uh, he's not qualified on anything. But his numbers are way better than Tatis's. And you can't forget this point. This is the most important point why Carson Kelly should be MVP over Fernando Tatis. 
There's no Ketel Marte in the lineup. Carson Kelly has taken on the burden of what Ketel Marte was doing and, and transferred it over to himself. Osmosis from Ketel Marte to uh, Carson Kelly. It's like watching Fantastic Four, the Silver Surfer, where if you touch uh, the Human Torch, he, 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 he gained your powers. That's what Carson Kelly did to Ketel Marte. He grabbed him on the chest, touched his shoulder, and took his powers because Carson Kelly has been balling since Ketel Marte went down. And because of that, there's, there's no Manny Machado to help him out. There's no Eric Hosmer. There's no other mashers in that lineup. Yes, Eduardo Espar has been on fire. But you're telling me if you're a pitcher, who would you rather go against, Manny Machado or Eduardo Escobar? I don't even think it's a debate right now. So Carson Kelly, put some respect, like Birdman, put some respect on my man's name because Carson Kelly has been balling this season. He's having a career year. Yes, it's early in the year. Yes, he still played less than 20 games. Yes, he will go into a slump eventually because every player in baseball goes into a slump. But Carson Kelly, man, I'm at a loss for words what he's been able to do at the plate this year. It's been truly magical. It's been a fun ride. And this was a guy I picked up off my fantasy wa uh, waiver wire about a week and a half ago. And he's been low-key carrying my offense for me. So thank you, Carson Kelly. I love you. And this is why you should be an MVP candidate over Fernando Tatis. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Remember, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Baskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, come back next week for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. And don't forget to follow me on Locker Room because I'm going live Sunday after the D-backs beat the Rockies. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!